0: <coughs> we have been discussing the issue of wools and the importance of drawing up a correct wool, the compulsory wool, and then in the case where a person doesn't have anything that is compulsory to state in terms of حقوق الله, ibad, it is still sunnat for him to draw up a wool the case of a person who doesn't have anything in particular to write down, nothing is compulsory on him to record, what will he write in the Sunnah will? So there he might appoint his executors, he will give some directive in terms of that he wants everything to be done in the proper way Islamically. This would normally naturally happen, but this is the important thing that he should write it down nevertheless i want all my affairs to be wound and to be handled in the way in the way that sharia prescribes otherwise later on sometimes people take it in their own hands to do what they wish the aspect about the executor this is the person who is being appointed to handle all the affairs upon a person's demise to wind up the estate this is something which is a very very delicate task very delicate matter the person being appointed as an executor is totally in a position of trust he is being selected because the person expects that he will handle the things correctly he will act in the best interests of the heirs he will act in the best interests of the deceased himself because if the things are not wound up correctly things are not discharged properly and this will even affect the mayid. So he is selecting somebody who he expects will do the job in his best interest, in the best interest of the heirs. So to do something against this aspect of trust in this condition, where the person who has appointed the person as a trustee is now no more around also to change that. Because he has gone to his grave. In Dunya, when somebody appoints some other person as a trustee in some way to undertake some task of his, if he is not happy about the situation, he feels this person is not doing the job correctly, he still can change it, he can revoke that. But here the person is not even around, he's gone. He's in his cover. So now this makes it even more serious. So the executor is merely there to facilitate everything. He is not somebody to try and push his decisions on things though those decisions may not be in the best interest of the heirs or whoever is meant to benefit in some way in terms of if he has made any bequests So this is something that needs to be borne in mind that if a person is appointed as an executor then he has to, if he accepts that task, he has to very very carefully, very diligently fulfill the task keeping in mind that you too will be questioned about this this is Amanat and every Amanat a person will be questioned about on the day of Tiyamats this Amanat is even more serious even more sensitive and delicate in that will, the Sunnah will and this is in any will a person can if he wishes he can make bequests and wasiyat to the extent of one-third but for non-heirs those who will not automatically inherits this we've already just uh, mentioned this that any bequest for an a is null and void it's not worth anything but for non as non as can be individuals can be somebody his friend can be some other family member who is not an a can be a masjid madrasa, some other charitable cause whatever but to the maximum of one-third so all wasiates if he has made any wasiyat about undischarged hukukullah, that his hajj is not performed yet, that hajj must be performed, or some fidya must be discharged for his must salah, all those wasiyats and any wasiyats for individuals, any charitable institutions, masajid, madaris, whatever, all this, the total will be within one third. Once Hazrat Sa'd bin Nabi Waqa, Allah, became very ill, so Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came to visit him. He thought that he is now going, he is not going to even recover from this illness. So On that occasion, he suggested or he requested permission. He said that I want to now give everything I own in Sadaqah. Nabi Sallallahu said, no, you cannot do this. Then he said, okay, half. He said, no, not even half. He said, okay, one third. So he said, fine, one third. This is the maximum. Then Nabi s.a.w. said to him, ورثتك أغنياء خير من alatan يتكففون الناس That you leave your heirs with something is better, that you leave them with nothing, and then they go around begging from people. So, the one manner in which sometimes this is looked at, like Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahmatullah When he passed away, just before he passed away, somebody came to him and said, you have so many daughters, you left nothing for them. That was not something by choice. He had parted with all the wealth because his wealth was not something he was clear about. It was all something that had come from the Banu Umayya, the kings of the Banu Umayya. And their manner of acquiring it was doubtful at the least. So he wanted to have nothing to do with it. And despite being living in all that... Pomp and luxury and, and as a king, but he gave up all that to the extent that he told his wife who was the daughter of a king, the sister of a king, previous kings, said that all this jewelry and everything you have, either you deposit in the Beitul Mal and stay with me or then I give you your freedom. But I and all this can't be in the same place because he was doubtful about all this, how it had come. So in any case, because this was the way things had been adopted, he had nothing. So Somebody came and said to him that this is how you have, you are leaving, you have left nothing for them, you have left nothing for your sons. So he said, if they are pious, if they are upright, then Allah Ta'ala will see to their needs. And if they are, they are evildoers, they are sinners, then why should I leave something behind and support them in their sin? Because that is what they will use it for. They will squander it. They will use it for their s- sinful activities. So this was something that was out of, well, that was his condition. He had nothing left. But this does not mean that a person takes the cue from this situation and he says, well, he will leave nothing behind and give everything away in sadaqah before time. This is not the spirit that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has encouraged. Nabi Sallallahu is saying that this is one situation, person in that situation is even, if he is overwhelmed with that jazbah and zeal, then he is majzoob on that, he is excused, but that is not something to be emulated. So Nabi Salasim is encouraging that leave something behind. The maximum that you may bequeath is one third. And this one third also, if a person apparently seems that he has a very small estate, then he shouldn't even bequeath much. A smaller amount he should make some bequest this too should be done to some extent, whatever bequest he can because this is his last chance to keep something going on for him while he's gone from this dunya later somebody else may do it or they may not do it he has this opportunity to do it for himself that he has made some bequest that some amount of his estate be contributed to some form of sadaqah jariya where the rewards will continue as long as that Good work is continuing. He contributed it to the masjid, to some madrasa, to some other work of deen. He put a, dug a well somewhere. So whatever he made some director for. So this is his last opportunity that when he leaves the world, something he has an opportunity to do something that will keep the rewards accruing to him. So in any case, this because is up to the maximum of one third. If that has exceeded one third, it will be proportionately reduced. It will be brought down to one third. So this is as far as the will is concerned. Then the very important thing is that obviously the person has made the will. Whether he made the will or not, all his ownership, whatever he possesses, will all be now distributed among the heirs. The big question comes sometimes is what does he own? Now this sounds like a strange question. What does he own? Some things are very clear cut. Some person is owning a house. Everybody knows it. It's on record. The title deeds are in his name or whatever the case is. That he is the owner of the house. So fine. They know this is his. The car is his. Fine, it's his. But many a times, in household items, there is no definition of property. There is no definition of ownership. And who is the real owner? A classic example is, sometimes the husband has... earning his income. Whatever the manner is, the wife is also earning some income. This is another issue itself, that if she is earning that income by going out and working in the world, intermingling with males, or in whichever way, which is not in conformance to Sharia, then that is a sin, that is haram. That is another issue in itself. So we are talking about that she is in any case earning an income. We take it that she is earning an income in some way, maybe her father left some investment for her, so now that income is coming, so now she is also buying sometimes some things, some items for the house, the husband is buying, sometimes they are buying things jointly. But this money was, when some item was bought, this was brought and put into the house. Something's carrying on, they are lasting for years. Over time, it's sometimes not even remembered who bought what, who owns what. And sometimes things are known that it was bought jointly. But how was it bought jointly? Did she give the money as a gift to the husband? Fine, you running short of so much to buy that car, does it? She says, my contribution, as well, we're buying it jointly now. A lot of times, people say, whose is this? They say, no, it's all ours. So, when everything is rosy, then it's all ours. And then when suddenly, when the thorns under the rose start sometimes hurting, that is mine. And everybody is saying is mine. So first it was ours, suddenly it became everybody's personal thing. So all these problems, and sometimes it might just be a minor thing to overcome, and sometimes it becomes extremely complicated, and the bitterness that then results out of this, families are broken apart, people become estranged and enemies of one another, all over a fight over properties and goods because there wasn't any clear definition of property the person has passed away now on the one side one member of the family is saying well this was belonging to him so therefore I need my share out of it, somebody else is saying no it didn't belong to him this belonged to me personally and as a result this whole problem then especially when the amounts are big if it is a 500 grand dispute, everybody says keep it from my side so, I don't want anything all this small dunya, always keep it. <laughs> but if it's 500,000 rands, then suddenly nobody is saying, It's dunya, keep it. Let me see now, it's my haq. <laughs> Allah ta'ala gave me this haq. So Allah ta'ala gave the 500 rand haq also. That time you said, his dunya, keep it. So this too is dunya. Allah ta'ala gave you the haq, but it's dunya. It's your haq in dunya, no doubt it's your haq. But just as you had that zeal at the time of 500 rands, where that zeal disappeared now. Now it became my huck, and this. You know, it will be a, a nashukri, It will be ingratitude if I just throw it away. <laughs> so all these things, these are, it sounds very, maybe funny, but these are real life situations. These are statements people actually make. Maybe not the wording, may not be the exact same wording, with variants of wordings, but more or less these are the type of statements. So when the, there's a Problem, then everything suddenly turns around. When the when the figures get big, when the amounts get big, then suddenly everything goes in a different direction. With small amounts, then everybody has a very great judgment, mashallah. All these things you must not make an issue of it. Making a tissue or issue over a tissue, keep it. But then everybody is crying over that, and all are looking for the tissues to wipe their tears after that. So, in any case, the very important thing is that this definition of property, as we discussed that example, that incident of Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahab, Rahmatullah in the last days of his life, and this was not just one, two days, it was over a period of time, when he was quite ill. He would be very, very careful, one cup came into that room of his, one little spoon came in that room of his, and if it was not taken away immediately after its use, he became very upset, that if this got left behind, and I passed away, And I've made it clear to everybody that what is in this room belongs to me. What is not in this room doesn't belong to me. Now this is one spoon, but it got left in this room, it will become part of my estate. Somebody might just take it as part of my ownership. And I don't own it. So this is going to misappropriate somebody else's ownership. So he would become very upset at this one little item also if somebody has left it there. So this is something to be very clear about. Now if we consider, we sit back in this thing, in our own homes, can we identify each thing who is the owner? Clearly, this is mine, this is so-and-so's, this is so-and-so's, this is, as we say, ours, but what's the proportion? It's own 50-50, it's own 25-75, what is the proportions? Can we identify it? Can we very clearly state who owns what? So if not, so this needs to be rectified, This needs to be sorted out immediately. The one simple way of sorting it out is that one party then maybe says, okay, fine, whatever is mine in this, I've given it to you. So that's one way. Some of our Kabir owned nothing when they passed away. Even the clothes that he was wearing in his last moments, that too beforehand, he had given it away. It was a Muhammad Yahya sahab. He says, whenever I need something, I'll borrow it from you. He left the world without having owned one bit, nothing. If somebody has that jazbah and zeal, fine, he can give everything away to his wife. This Give everything away, just one point on that, on this note of definition of property. Many a times this is a common common thing that comes up. When people are discussing the thing they will and other things, So now the person is owning the house, he bought the house, the house is on his name, whatever the case is. He says, well, now this house won't be part of the estate. Why? He says, no, I gave it away to my wife. Very good, fine, you gave it away. But then when he is explained, do you know what that means? You gave it away. He says, well, I gave it away. He says, well, she is the owner now and she has to have control. Tomorrow she wishes to give the house away to her brother as a gift, she can do that. He says, no, no, she can't do that. She says, what you gave them? It's hers now. She says, no, no, I'll, I'll keep control. You keep control, you've never given it. For that gift to be valid, the person who that gift is being given to must become the owner of it with total control. If that control hasn't been passed on, that gift hasn't happened. Then if a person has written it down also in some way that I have already gifted this, that is not yet done, it will form part of that estate. So, this is something which, sometimes a person just takes it for granted, Well, and that wife is happy in her mind, that I am the owner of this, but that gift never happened. So when the issues come up, and this question comes up, what control you had? Well, I didn't have any control, but he told me it's mine. So it never became hers. So that will form part of that estate. All these things then create problems. Now, It becomes a major issue so this definition of property is very important and in these aspects now for example this somebody gave a gift then he needs to be very clear about what he's done so those items in that home which are not clear either one party gives it away to the other or he buys it off fine all this I've bought it off now this is the amount and there's the money or I'll pay it over time whatever the case is or one party gives it to the other and if it is movable items, so the control is gone, it's fine. So this is the important thing, that the property must be whatever item, the smallest to the biggest, there must be clarity about who the owner is. There must be nothing ambiguous in this regard. There will be no gray area. This gray areas has become very problematic later on. So for that correct distribution of that estate, this definition of property is vital. There mustn't be any gray area in this regard. And these kind of things... Somebody wants to pass on that house to his wife, then he should do a sale to make it totally above board and clear, sell it to her sell it to her at whatever nominal price as well, because this is by mutual agreement, whatever the parties agree on. So the price can be anything. But he's done a formal sale witnessed by maybe others in the family. So now this is clear cut, this is above board. And that will now be handled accordingly. But the very important thing in all this is that if a person is doing these kind of things, the intention must be very, very clear and the purpose must be very clear. If the purpose is to try and or to circumvent the shariat, in the sense that, well, if I leave things as they are, then somebody will get more and somebody will get less in terms of the shari proportions. So, try and give this person less. Who will get more try and give him less how by doing some other things around by doing some paper deal now and well i know everything will carry on so if that is the motive that is the purpose this then is a very serious thing this is something which is haram then the act is haram though that what was done would technically be valid but with this motive and this intention to give somebody lesser But if he thinks that in the best interest of his wife, she'll get left without a roof just now, the way things go nowadays. So he wants to give her the house, well and good. Many people when they're advised about this, so the next question comes up is, but what after I give it to her, she passes away before me. He says, well, she passed away before you, they'll go in her estate. He says, but then I might get left without a roof over my head. (laughs) So he says, you can't win either way. (laughs) He says, well, what do you do? So you got to decide what you want to do. You can't have it both ways. As they say, you can't have your cake and eat it as well. You've got to decide. The one way is maybe sell a 50% share. So you're owning 50%. Or the chances are either way. you still got at least 50%. You'll uh, receive a portion of the balance as your proportionate inheritance. And then the rest, well, you got to make some whatever arrangements with the rest of the heirs. Buy it off from them or pay them a rental, whatever the case is. So in any case, the important lesson for today was this aspect of definition of property. Complete clarity. There should be no gray area. Things should be very clear. Otherwise, these things create a lot of problems for the way forward. So, as we just said, that we should sit back and think, in my house, do I know everything what belongs to who? And if not, then this is a priority to clarify all these things and correct it. If there is something to be done in terms of some gift, some sale, whatever, all that is done, and the definition is cleared. Then something comes in, one common thing happens, somebody sent a gift, especially when now a couple got married. So they receive gifts. Now sometimes that gift comes, it comes in the name of one of the spouses. And sometimes it's a gift to the couple. But now, over time, nobody knows what came how. Everything came for ours. But now this hours suddenly, when there's a problem becomes mine, and not mine, and yours. So all these things need to be cleared. What belongs to who? And then in future anything comes, it should be known. Everybody should know who owns what. Not only I know it, everybody should know who owns what. So that later in time, there is no difficulty, no problem in this regard. Allah Taala gives All these laws of the Shariat, and all these details and rules, if we abide by deen, abide by the way that Nabi Sassum has taught, this is the clear path, it leaves no difficulty. It leaves no problems. This... Hadith that we discussed, man mata ala wasiyatin, mata ala sabilin. The sabil, sabil literally means road. It means a clear road, a clear path, the person drives smoothly. There's a clear road, he reaches his destination without difficulty. So when a person has his wasiyat in place, he has all these things clear, he has everything above board, no grey areas, then he's left an open road for others behind him also. And where things are ambiguous now, this is a foggy road, a lot of turns and bends and a lot of difficult terrain. Now this becomes a problem. Allah give us tawfiq to follow all the laws.